Welcome to Appetite for Production. Tim, are you ready for some seat of the pants sign of the times? I have never been less ready for that, James. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, Tim, this time around, it's bombshell after bombshell after bombshell as we put the world of music software under heavy fire. Why are we waging war on music software? Bombshell. FL Studio comes to Mac. I am in shock. I did know about that before, though. Uh, Studio One 4 is ripping my pants off. Oh, my God. Sexy. VST2, VST3, does it even matter? Yeah, it definitely doesn't. No one cares. Uh, say hello to Moog's grandmother. Oh, well, I I like old ladies, as you know, James. So I'm looking forward to that. It's time to analyze your music like you've never analyzed it before. I don't know, man. I'm pretty anal, mate. So I don't know what you're going to show me that's more anal than what I've already done. And I'm going to show you a MIDI instrument Oh, that brilliant. is going to blow something. Uh, my brain has already turned off. Thanks for that. Timmer, Timmer, Timmer. Hey, James. Hi. Hi. Oh, what, what have you been doing since last time? Um, I've been making a lot of con- content, mate. It's all about content oh, yeah. in 2018. It's the buzzword of the 21st century. It is the main thing I wanted to talk to you about this week was do you remember in the last I think it was the last episode we were kind of really ignorantly discussing uh, Beringer's clone instruments and whether they're licensed yeah. or not. I and was I was incredibly sure that they're licensed. And I was incredibly sure that they weren't. Well, there has been a development on that story. Yeah. So, a, uh, a, a contact of mine in the industry... <laughs> you were about to say friend. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> thousand percent yeah. you were about to say friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was... I was so gonna, one uh, of your mates, right? Yeah, one of my, okay, basically, one of my mates uh, has got some info on this. He was at Superbooth. It's a man as well. Oh. Um, and he was um, doing some filming at the Beringer stand. And apparently some dude came over from the cork stand and was just like having a massive go at somebody on the Beringer oh, stand nice. for like selling a clone of their synth. <laughs> so it looks like that Beringer is not not legit. It looks like they are getting up, getting people's backs up in the industry, James. Have you got a hot take on that? Um, that surprises me mm. and obviously th- this isn't just a PR move because this is something that happened at Superbooth with one guy and another guy yeah yeah uh what uh what what was the Korg thing that they'd been that they'd... I think they're doing a clone I think they're doing a clone of the ARP Odyssey that Korg have like started manufacturing in the last, oh, really? last couple but that's, of years that's really recent they're, they're really going below the belt if they are doing recent things well the original ARP Odyssey is from like the 70s or something yeah, so the, the Korg ARP Odyssey is from what last year yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 2016, but yeah, close enough. <laughs> yeah, they all bleed into one. But I mean, yeah, I, so you, you reckon it's more, Behringer are doing it more seat of the pants than anything else. Yeah, just- I don't think they give a fuck, mate. And I like that. I think that's I think that's good. You need some renegades up in this industry. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, whether they're doing it kosher or not, they're doing what 
they're doing and they've been doing it for a long time so they must be well they haven't really they haven't really been doing this clony like this blatant clony stuff for that long have they no that's a good point how how long would you say it's been <laughs> i may i've got no idea i thought this i thought this model d was like well this, the model d seems to be the first one that's actually kind of like caught people's imaginations and people are actually saying oh shit this shit son this is actually legit and then something we're going to be interested in this is the other thing any massive court case where someone's saying hey beringer you are selling our thing for very cheap that's just going to get more attention and more sales yeah well it's good for the consumer to put my capitalist hat on for a moment i think it's good for the consumer at least in the short term, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see, really. Yeah, I mean, if they, as it were, get away with it, if they're not licensing things and they just sell everything willy-nilly, then it's, it's not good for the people who want to bring out new stuff in the yeah, future they'll yeah, have yeah. to they'll have to make consideration when they're planning a product and say, "Are Behringer going to copy this?" and well, Beri- they, at least Beringer seemed to be keeping limiting themselves to stuff that was made in the in the sort of seventies and eighties thus far. True. I mean, the thing is, you could easily make an argument that yeah, okay, we're not selling any of these, but you copying it stops us from being able to resell any of these. You know, yeah. because uh, Moog recently brought out a reissue of the Model D. Yeah, and they wouldn't. Someone wouldn't be able to do that if there's a tiny Behringer clone for £100 clogging up the market, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um, As a music maker, I'd rather have the option to buy a cheap clone that sounds good. Like, like, to be honest, though, like all these synths that are like 1,500 quid plus, it's like, I'm never going to be able to afford any of that stuff. Like so, it's just it may for me it might as well not exist. That is Do you know true. what I mean? It, it sort of harked back to the early days of synths where they were cost yeah. like twenty grand. Yeah, totally. Y- y- all you would get is some kind of thing that's basic by today's standards. Yeah, and only your pro musicians could actually afford to mess with the cutting edge technology. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I see what you mean, and and yeah, it would be good for since to be cheaper in general. Like what uh, the other thing I hope for it is is what I hope is like for example, Roland, like so hypothetically, this um, <clears throat> Roland eight hundred eight bearing a clone will come out and it'll be massively successful, and Roland will see it and they'll think, oh, maybe we should just like make really accurate clones of all our stuff because people like those original instruments. Mm. And then, in like you'd think, with the Roland badge on it, they would have, you know, they'd have an upper hand over Bering Ever. Yeah. You would also think that they would have done that many years ago. Yeah, well, who, who knows what their thought process is? Well, maybe uh, the thought process is, hey, everything's bloody digital now, so therefore yeah. let's let's just invest in the sort of hardware meets software sort of paradigm yeah i mean like the thing is what they've done with their plug out stuff is stuff mm, like that yeah i mean that's that is like that's innovative and it seems like a good idea basically i think bearing are really catching people's attention by saying okay here's what you want and it's reasonably priced Mm. um i think other other manufacturers could hopefully learn a thing or two from that approach well if if they are not bothering to license stuff then i reckon we will soon see something massive 
see some kind of massive case and um however that resolves itself will be how things happen we shall we shall see let's keep an eye out for further developments speaking of uh cheap manufacturing versus expensive manufacturing yeah uh-huh. have you seen the latest uh the latest release from uh, moog uh, who I refuse to call Moog. Uh, yeah, no, I refuse to call a Moog as well. No, what a Moog doing? Uh, it is the Moog grandmother. Have you seen it? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's um, it is a semi-modular, patchable, uh, cool. I I hesitate to call it a beginner synth, but it might be the entry point for some. Uh, it's very decent looking thing. Very colourful. Oh, okay. It's got what? What's that? It's three a thousand clamaroonies. Thousand. Well, it's, is it? Have they actually? They've got proper details about it now. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, a yeah. Couple of days ago. So yeah, a lot of modules. I thought when I first saw it that these modules would be things that you could uh, take out and replace and move around, but they they are fully fixed. It's got your classic uh, Moog trademark things such as filters. It's got a spring reverb in there, which is nice. What, like a real one? Yeah, proper spring what? reverb. What? Uh, and you can patch it out to other things. Now, the video that I first saw about this, basically it was a tour of the Moog factory, and they were showing them make it, and showing their uh, them being at pains to make sure everything sounded right, and testing it many, many times, and not letting it leave the factory unless it was well tested. I think that promo video could have been a bit of a reaction to this Behringeritis that's okay, been happening. Okay. Or Behringification of synths. The thing is, this grandmother, it looks cool, right? But it's an unknown quantity compared to a Model D. Um, also, I want to point out, I'm just going to get the manual now, and it's got a quote on like page three from Dr. Robert Moog. I'll, I'll give him the courtesy of pronouncing it RIP, by that, the way. That's fine. I'll yeah. respect him by calling it, like pronouncing his name properly. But he says... Everything has some consciousness, and we tap into that. It's about energy at its most basic level. And that tells me that Dr. Robert Moog was some kind of crazy hippie, which is, <laughs> which is fair enough, because, you know, he, he revolu- you know, he kind of invented the, idea, you know, the modern idea of synthesis. So we'll let him off for that, I guess. That's fine. You've I, I, you got to take the hippiness yeah. if you want the, the great uh, innovations. If you, could, mate, if you can make a hot synth, you can, you can get talk about consciousness all day long, you as far as I'm concerned. You can be a flat earther, as long as you <laughs> a decent synth. I'm a I'm a flat mixed downer, mate. I make sure that there's no peaks in my uh, spectral analyzer. Um, yeah, this looks cool, man. I think people will dig it, probably. Yeah, it's good. And can you see why I was saying it's sort of a big an entry point, but it sort of also would go uh, alongside an, an existing collection. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It ki- this kind of looks like Moog's answer to the MS Twenty. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, that is. That is a very good point. It is very much like that, isn't it? Yeah. It's semi-modular. You can patch it out to things. You can patch things into it. Yeah. And yeah, it it would go really well. You could... Even modular nuts would get a lot out of this, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look, they've got presets at the back of the manual, which are just like images of what you've got to set everything to. They should should have sent these out on little cardboard. Oh, God. Like top trumps or something. Oh, God. Yeah. Piano bass. Not a thing that exists. <laughs> What's it? <being> <laughs> Don't know, mate. <laughs> That's just. Like, I've got to turn hand. my head sideways to look at it, and I'm not going to do that, man. I've made enough cave. sacrifices for music technology. Um, yeah, sick. Well, 
yeah, good looking out and less less than a thousand American spondulies. So that's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, how long do you reckon until Behringer start cloning it? Well, this is the thing. I'm waiting for a software version, mate. So I can <laughs> moan about how it doesn't sound like the original. So, uh, yeah. See, I, I don't know. As you know, all I really care about is that it's got cold knobs. I know, I know you love those cold knobs. What do you think about the colourful interface? I, I actually really like it. I wasn't sure at first. And especially since... It's got what sort of four panels of color, but the rest is black. I'm, yeah. I'm still happy with it. I, I, it, it attracts me like a bee to a flower. Are you going to invest in this synthesizer? I can't imagine you will. Nah, not, <laughs> not at a thousand American clams. But no. I mean, it's not. What's that in real money? Let's work that out. It's what like seven hundred. Okay, so the. The clam to price um, equivalency. The <laughs> <laughs> technical term. We, we've got to get. We've got to get the clam. Clam to uh, sterling. Clam. Clam to sterling is seven hundred and forty-eight pounds thirteen new pence. So that's not that. So that's basically three quarters of the price. I think you know with geniuses we can work that out. Seven fifty. Uh, yeah. I. I mean, it's it's still a lot of good boy points, but a lot of a lot less than you know the the, the sort of stuff. Like that's in like the sort of higher tier. I mean, I guess it's comparable sort of price to the Korg, um, ARP Odyssey, ARP Odyssey thing. So yeah, yeah, bit cheaper, bit cheaper than some other stuff. I, I think it's probably at the right price point. I, I, if I was gonna buy a Moog hardware synth, I would probably go for this one. But still, it's uh, it is it, not something I'm willing to spend that much money on. Yeah, I've got other priorities at the moment. But yeah, it's good. It's nice. Yeah, I think cool. they're going in the right direction with it. Yeah, seems like a good look. Silly name? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that's all about. Grandmother. Um, it doesn't know real clue. I mean, my grandmother had a built-in spring reverb, so <laughs> maybe everyone's does. Right, Tim. Yeah, hit me. I need... I don't think you've heard about it because you would have told me about it already. Okay, but- Few times in the history of music software have things been so awaited as this is. Oh, I think I know what this is going to be, mate. You will remember, for instance, we waited years and years for reason to adopt VST. You know, it was everyone saying, where's VST? When's that going to happen? Hell froze over back then. And hell has frozen over once again Mm. with the launch of FL Studio on Mac. Yes. Um, I do you remember years and years ago they kind of released like a sort of half-assed yeah. Mac version that was like like a wine emulation mm. or something. Um, but it seems like they've actually they've done it proper now. They've done it proper now. This is FL Studio Twenty, which is going what from, the f going from version twelve. That's one way to avoid calling it thirteen. But- <laughs> oh man, that that is <laughs> they are beating Microsoft at their own game there. Yeah, is it, this because it's twenty years it's, old now? It's exactly twenty years. I don't, oh, we're so old, mate. I don't know if this means there's going to be a twenty-one next year and a twenty-two the year after that, or what. But yeah, FL Studio. They 20. should go back to like thirteen after twenty. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be a power move. I, I want I want one company just wants to release a version thirteen of something because. No one's doing it. Yeah, man, I like Danger. Why don't they release those? Like Ableton, maybe could do it. Do it. They yeah. go, they're on ten. I reckon Ableton would be pragmatic enough to uh, yeah. forget the superstition. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Mac support. Yeah. Uh, does this mean that you're finally going to get FL Studio? 
no, um, I find FL Studio non-intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, it really surprises me how it kind of became almost like the de facto kid in a bedroom door. Mm. Um, because yeah, I I just found it incomprehensible but there must be something to it because people seem to like it oh yes you get that reputation and you get the momentum and you keep that reputation ting is bruv if you get now you know what i'm gonna ask have you got price on this uh yes i do 249 pounds new and as ever with fl studio it's free upgrades for life if you've already bought one of the oh versions. i didn't realize it was free upgrades yeah. for life that's pretty sounds man that's yeah. that's kind of that's kind of nice so fl studio 12 users 11 users 10 users boom you got it that's wicked, and I guess this will be this will probably encourage a lot of people to move over to Mac. Well, exactly. Well, because not- like Windows Ten, mate, who is hanging on in there with Windows Ten? It might. It, it puts adverts in your taskbar, mate. <laughs> it might encourage people to move over to Mac, or it might encourage Mac users to buy FL Studio. And when you've got a perpetual free upgrades for life policy, yeah. you need some new blood, and they need yeah. to do this. This is it was necessary for them. Um, the yeah. thing is, our our Mac people who have, they have uh, the world of music technologies, their Oyster, and they got Logic, which they can get cheap. So in terms of pure clam per value or whatever, I would think that Logic is still probably the way to go. If you're, if you're just like, if you're, if you're door agnostic yet and you haven't kind of like decided on what you want to use forever and ever, mm. basically. Yeah, I, it might well be. I, I've never personally got on well with Logic, but... It's, oh, it's easier than FL. Mate. It's friendly, isn't it? And FL definitely doesn't have that reputation. It's, I, I I hear a lot of people talk uh, talk about its easy MIDI editing, which is good. Mm. That is apparently friendly and intuitive. Apparently, yeah, people do seem to like the piano roll on it. Yeah, people do say that they can just burst out as 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 quickly as they can sort of think it, mm. uh, which is attractive for me because I do a lot of uh, MIDI editing and and sequencing like that. Okay. Are you going to give it a go? Um, haven't decided yet because there are other priorities that have come up this uh, this week. But uh, let's have a look at what's in it. Uh, time signature changes have come to FL Studio 20. Uh, but well, time signature changes are rife in popular music, mate, <laughs> so it's about time. Yeah, it's, it's one for all the uh, hardcore jazz fusionists out there. Sick. Uh, they love FL Studio. Bounce in Place is now there. Oh, I like that. Uh, you get something called Playlist Arrangements, which are basically you can have alternate alternative versions of your arrangement. to. I thought that's with. how FL Studio worked anyway, mate, but whatever. We'll gloss over that. There's something incredibly boring about plug-in delay compensation where it will, it will be able to compensate with this. Different types and different kinds. Of well, blah, that's blah, blah. good because apparently Live still has some issues with that stuff. Yeah, so... they only recently put third-party plug-in delay compensation, didn't they? Was that nine? I don't know. It's something to do with buses. I can't remember off the top ah, of my head. But yeah, it's uh, it's just like it's just annoying, man. Like to like all that shit should just work in everything. Basically, it it seems it seems completely insane that we still have this issue with contemporary doors but whatever basically yeah um no support for midi polyphonic expression which is the new protocol that we were talking about oh, last but time. everyone uses it all the time yeah it's just strange that it got maybe it's because it was been so recently adopted that they they'd already done all their development and it'll come in a point update or something but i yeah. think i think nobody gives a shit about that to well, be honest you think some fl studio sort of peeps would uh, would be using weird controllers maybe not 
No. The thing is, if you've listened to any music ever, you'll realise that no one is doing that shit. So <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't, don't think we need to worry about that. Just like the time signatures. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good to see FL Studio pop up in Mac finally, if 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 not just to resolve the tension that had been cast on it for many, many years. Well, where, what the, the, the question is, where do we go from here? FL Studio's on a Mac. It feels like... Music production news is over now. <laughs> what is what is going to happen? Uh, it remains to be seen, but it would make our job a lot easier if music production news could be done. Yeah, that would be great. I've got a thing to mention to you that you might be going to mention anyway. Ah, yeah? Uh, VST2? Yes, um, Should we talk about that now? Because it seems seems vaguely relevant. Yeah, the passing. So I mean, it, it's not. Steinberg have basically said, um, and they said a long time ago, VST two. We're not really actively developing that. Yeah, they they've done some weird stuff, such as still including the VST two SDK as part of the VST two uh, VST three SDK. Oh, that's cool. So they were still sort of distributing it for anyone who wanted it, but now they're just not going to give it out to anyone. Um, and that's completely fair enough because VST three has been out for a long time and people like, it's mostly the doors that are the problem. Yeah. Like Ableton has still not got VST3 support. Mm -hmm. When they brought uh, VST plugins to Reason, that was just 2.4, which is standard VST2. Yeah. And yeah, it's <laughs> didn't realize for a while how rare it is to see uh, VST3 support. Mm. Um, there's, I mean, to the end user, there's not that much difference. There's proper side chaining in VST3, uh, but it's mostly, uh, the difference is how the plugin talks to the door and yeah. it's got more sort of communication, more things that can be done. VST3 can stop processing when there's nothing to process. Oh, that's clever. Which is great for CPU, because imagine if you've got a massive reverb on a channel that only has one quick thing in the, yeah. for one second of the whole track. It doesn't actually do the processing if you've got VST3 until that thing crops up, which is That's good. wicked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that this didn't happen sooner. Yeah, I mean, you'd think it possibly... You know, wouldn't be in Steinberg's in interest to keep supporting this yeah. thing that they don't really use anymore because it's you know they've kind of surpassed it and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it's actually going to make too much difference to how we live our lives, though, is it? it it's really not. Um, I mean, it's going to. I think if anything, it's going to force door developers to make sure they have VST three implemented, and they'll all do that in a what within a year or so. And then we might start seeing plugins distributed without a VST2 version, and who cares? Yeah, I guess so. I wouldn't hold your breath, though, mate, because literally FL Studios only just come out for Mac, and it's 2018. So <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll, let's, let's keep an eye on that one anyway, so, yeah. shall we? It's also important to point out that anyone who thought this was a massive story that's really going to affect them, it, yeah. it's not. It's just um, it's, it's one of those things where you see that the world is slowly moving forward. As it should be. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to predict the future now. Oh god. Which version of Ableton Live will see VST3 supports? VST3 support. I am gonna say Ableton Live version 10.2. <gasps> oh 
is going to see VST three support. I will. I will. Do you know what? I'll yeah. give. I'll give you that, and I'll let you have anything up to version eleven. Okay. That. You reckon it's going to be way longer? I think it'll be eleven or twelve. Okay. Or they should totally do it for unlucky thirteen, and it'd be <laughs> like, yeah, MFers. That's right. Take your life in your hands with our VST three support. I'm, so. I'm just waiting for VST thirteen to come out. Oh, You'll be waiting a long time there, I, mate. I think they're going to call it VST twenty. No one uses any of the features in VST three anyway, so I don't. I don't think it's going to be made obsolete anytime soon. So uh, yeah. Massive news for me. I am beside myself. What is it? Studio One oh. version four. It is here. So what's what's uh, under the hoods? Oh man, there's there's a lot of stuff. Now this update has been it, it's um it's a bit of a divisive one actually um, mm -hmm. because it's very orientated towards uh, sort of composition, songwriting, what and sequencing. So you know in previous versions they've they've done things for mixes. Uh, they've they've put more mixing features in there. They've put macros. They've put browsing and stuff like that. But in this one, what have they got? They have got uh, one of the one of the big headline things is chord tracks. Um, it's not totally new. We've seen it in other doors many times, and you can basically uh, detect what chords are in the song and change them from a master track. Oh, that's cool. Uh, now that works for MIDI as well as audio. Um, audio How does well. it work for audio? Well, because of time stretching, basically. They'll sort of just... You can say, hey, this is a D minor, and then change okay. that. And that will be written on your chord track, D but minor. You can change it to D major, and it'll change the MIDI. So well, it's, so it's D got major. polyphonic analysis, uh, presumably, then, if it can do that. I think via Melodyne, I should imagine. So does it use Melodyne for its it's, for that it, stuff? It's always had some Melodyne baked in, but it, it depends oh, on the version. Oh, words! I think it might just be using its general time stretching algorithms. But it's but you'd need poly. But to change from a chord from a major to a minor, you yeah. need to be able to to do polyphonic. It's very true. Um, I think I'm not sure actually whether it's using whether it will only do the audio if you've got the full version of Melodyne installed for polyphonic stuff or if it's doing it through its own sort of time-stretching okay. algorithms. But that's that's the concept. And, you know, we've seen this in Cubase. We've seen this in, I think it's in Logic as well. So it's not the newest feature in the world, but um, it is a feature that I am never going to use. <laughs> Wicked. And there's a lot of people saying that they're never going to use it, but there are plenty of people who are. Like, this, this will be a big deal for a lot of people. And that's completely fair. If if you if you want to work like that, then you should be allowed to. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not the biggest thing for me. Elsewhere, they've also upgraded their um, onboard instruments. Um, oh. So the the drum um, pad and sampler machine impact is now Impact XT, and the sampler sample one is now Sample One XT. Uh, they've boosted their capabilities basically okay um but i don't know i i always i'm always very skeptical about when a door updates and what they've changed is mostly their onboard instruments and effects well, yeah because that seems like stuff that you can just like 
easily do yeah without mucking with the main the main thing exactly and is it going to be a draw for everyone it's going to be a draw for some people that's fine and it's always nice to say hey we've got some good stuff in our door but i'd rather them add new things rather than change the old ones yeah i mean like that track stuff sounds like pretty serious biz uh but yeah messy like when you're just like messing with the included instruments, that feels like a sort of propeller head sort of update. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Definitely. Definitely. And that's that's what they're still doing. Um, however, having said that, the impact, the the sort of drum uh, machine, drum player, does it, it did make me want to give it a go and start leaning on it, see if I, I got along with it. Because, mm. it, yeah, I think that uh, I'm going to give that a try. Uh, elsewhere, what have they got? Yes, this is a nice little feature. Um, instead of a piano roll, you can elect to have a pattern sequencer. What? So what does that mean? Let's say you've got a drum instrument. Instead of having keys in your piano roll, you basically have a load of sequencers for each loaded drum. Okay, okay. So you can sequence where the piano roll was as a sequencer. Yeah, but Keybase has done that for years. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's also got a similar drum editor, which is, again, so you don't have to use a piano roll for non-musical information. That's got a little sort of, it's a bit like the piano roll, but you you aren't using notes. You're just sort of programming these triangles into it so you can see exactly where they start. There's no note off or anything like that to worry I, about. When I'm programming drums, I like to have my note off guy. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's important when those notes finish. <laughs> just, just for placebo reasons. No, not at all, because it's it's you want to tell it when the release stage is going to start, well, basically. It depends, Do you know what I mean? It depends what you're triggering, doesn't it? No, it's everything. <laughs> I want to be able to control its start point and end point. Yeah, but crash symbols, for example, it doesn't matter when you put the note off, they're going to oh ring out. Oh my god, no, well, no, not at, no, not at all, because you might want a real snappy little crash at the start of a thing. It depends what you're using to program drums, man. It, it doesn't oh. work like that for everything. That is, that's the sort of thing that somebody who doesn't make drum and bass would say, James. So, whatever. <laughs> so, like, And to be honest, every time I've seen those little freaking diamonds in the Cubase drum one, I'm like, nah, mate. Nah. Lightweight, lightweight You're business. not for that. I, no. I, you'd rather use a piano paradigm for everything. I Do you know what? I program the majority of my drums in audio because I like to control the end of the sound by moving the end point of the sample and then doing the fade. I want total control, son. That's okay. That that's you. That's me. Well, yeah, and that's why I'm better than everyone else. So <laughs> if you're using if you're using a drum sequencer, you're not as good as me. That's why you're at the top of the tree. That's that is why I am the highest paid music producer who's ever lived. Yeah, yeah. So you, you cannot know, watch, argue with that. Watch and learn, haters. Uh, it was interesting how they launched this whole thing because for Studio One Three, they pushed several boats out uh they had like literal boats no okay but webcast boats what they did was um they did a webcast on the day they launched it which was basically like they had someone in a studio and it was like okay now we're going over to germany for this live oh thing my god wow and now we're going over to like atlanta like yeah, and it was like, okay, now we're going to a completely different place where they're also streaming live, and this person's going to talk about this thing. And they didn't just do that, Tim. They did this three times. Oh. Basically the same webcast recorded three times. I can't remember whether it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or if oh it was my like Lord. one Friday, then the next Friday, then the next Friday. But yeah, I, I was watching that, the first one, uh, 
with bated breath and I really liked it and it was it was great but it was remarkable how much money they must have spent on making that happen. Yeah, I mean, does anyone care about that stuff? I can't imagine they do. Well, it it engaged me, shall we say? And oh, okay. It was nice to see You're it. notoriously hard to engage yeah, as well. It was nice to see it um to see everyone explaining everything and just interacting with it but yeah that was version three but for version four they did a sort of webcast thingy they basically just did a streaming thing on youtube and it was all pre-recorded uh and yeah it, it was they clearly didn't push as many boats out just maybe they pushed out a dinghy yeah, but okay. yeah it was a good dinghy you know nice yellow mate, number don't knock a dinghy mate um, you know it's floats How much do you use the instruments that come with a door? Uh, instruments, I wouldn't say so much. I mean, to be honest, with live, I only really use sampler, and that's that's only with right. you only get that with the the suite. Back in the day, I used to use a lot of A1 um, in Cubase. God, God rest A1's soul. <laughs> that was good. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise, not an awful not, lot. I not use much, a lot right? of the I use a lot of the effects in life, but the mm. instruments not so much. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people would say the exact same thing that they don't really use the built-in instruments, but they use the effects depending what door it is. Mm. And I feel the same about Studio One, for example. I I use the EQ, I use the compressor uh, when they're appropriate, mm. but I just do not reach for those instruments. Maybe because it came along too late, you know. Maybe if 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 it was released in like 2003, the instruments would be a bit more sort of, they would have caught on a bit more. And, but yet you can't not have those instruments in your door. Otherwise you're going to miss a great section of the public who need something. Well, this is, I mean, I guess that's why Reaper maybe has a slightly limited its audience because it doesn't really come with like loads of bread and butter stuff. Like there's loads of effects in there, but they're all kind of, they're all like a bit. They're all a bit clinical. They're all, exactly. There's not. Yeah, it's like you have to. It feels like you're really coming at this from a mathematical perspective. Yeah. I, I rather remember than a tweaker's perspective. There's a lot of sort of faders in them. They're very lot of fader parameters. based. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's it's hard to if you were launching a door today. I think Bitwig's done a good job of doing some kooky, cool instruments that can also act as bread and butter things yeah the thing is i want what i want real bread and butter sounds basically every door should have core game one built in mm. that sort of thing do you know what i mean yeah. that would i would like that sort of stuff yeah basically. that's one of the things i've noticed is missing from a lot of software actually that is a gap of like just... logic's got good stuff like that and um, cubase has got like hallion one or whatever it's called yeah so that's exactly. and that's got some good sounds you want you want a little instrument that can basically make almost any bread and butter sound yeah you can use it for a piano you can use it for a drum kit you can use it for a xylophone you can grab a bass you can grab a trumpet it's and, just you know, general midi guys i yeah. mean this this was happening in the 80s i don't know why it's taking everyone so long to catch up exactly and there are very very few third-party plugins that can do that as one big package other yeah. than such as Halion and yeah. technically context factory library yeah i mean the thing is i won't I, i'll tend not to use context factory library for that sort of stuff because it's i don't know with contact stuff generally their sort of things tend to sound like obviously a lot of it's made by third parties but a lot of contact stuff it sounds like it's trying to be realistic whereas uh-huh. i want my i want my workstation sort of sounds you, you want your I mean? gm exactly um, and 
Yeah. So all of that is roundabout way of saying, should Studio One Four have included a load of bundled instrument upgrades? Because they did the same thing last time as well. Or are they just putting their resources into the wrong place? The thing is, I prefer to use third-party stuff because then I know if someone is using a different door who I'm collaborating with, they might have the chance to use it as well and everything. And it's not like it's not like I'm just totally getting um, encased purely in this Ableton Live world. Do yeah. you know, does that make any sense? It does. But like I say, then again, you need them for the people who are new to it. And if you want to sure. attract new users who've never produced any music before, you're going to need some instruments in there. But yeah, upgrading your current ones is probably a bad decision when you could just spend that time making new ones. Or I mean, I guess it's just it's easier to do that than it is to upgrade the actual architecture of the door. Mm. So it makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Studio One for $400 if you want it new for the professional version, $100 if you want it new for the artist version. And what is the clam cost of upgrading, do you know? Uh, upgrading, I think it's 150 from pro to pro. Okay. Dollars, so it's... it's I, I think it's fair, but... Substan a substantial clamoroony cost there. Since this is a, such a specific and particular upgrade for people that would only appeal to a certain section of the user base, a lot of people might not be getting it. Yeah, why not skip four, wait for five? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Personally, I don't think that doors should be uh, dipping their hand into the actual musical notes. I don't think chord tracks and stuff like that are... You know, I, I, I'm not going to stop anyone from using them ever, but I, I don't think Doors should be helping you make your note choices. Why would you say that, James? That's just where I'm coming from. That, that sounds like big government to me. Why not? Why not <laughs> let everyone mess with their uh, mess with their check? Like the thing is, if you're making, like I can imagine, if you're working on like a, you know, a project that is part of a work thing, and they're like okay, the singer can't sing in that key. We need you to transpose everything. Oh, we want a sad version of this song, change everything to minor. I can imagine it'd be really handy in those situations. But the problem is that should never happen. That's the thing. I think the door, no, that's, the that's, door should be a, always happen. a technical tool rather than a creative tool. But that's just, I, I'm very, very aware that that's just my personal opinion. And I'm not going to stop anyone from, from working like that. I utterly disagree with everything you've ever said. That. Okay, uh, Tim, this is a podcast. Yes, uh, yes, and no one can prove otherwise. You are a listener of podcasts, as am I. Certainly am, mate. What do you use to listen to your podcasts? I used to use the Apple app until iOS 11, where, like, just iOS stuff just seems to get worse, basically, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm not, you know... I was never a big Steve Jobs fanboy, but it does seem like Apple stuff has gone a bit downhill um, since he departed this plane of existence. Um, and yeah, so I sacked off Apple Podcasts and now I use Overcast, okay. which seems yeah. fine. Because I recommended you Overcast, right? Yeah, yeah, almost it's, certainly. It's great. Like, it, there are no bugs in it. It's no nonsense. It's cool. Uh, but, of course, other podcast apps are available. Yeah, there's tons of them, man. Yeah, I, I love Overcast because you, you basically, you know, I remember the Apple inbuilt app just 
messed a lot of things up. I can't remember what it was doing, but you'd subscribe and you'd miss things and then yeah, yeah. nothing would actually work. It wouldn't keep your place in anything. Yeah, yeah, that's and, annoying. But yeah, just having Overcast, you don't, you can sign up, but you don't need to sign up. But signing up basically means that whenever you um, move, you change your phone or something, everything will basically transfer across really easily. Yeah, that's good, man. And I've done that. I'm well happy with using Overcast as well. It does have, unless you go premium or whatever, it does have ads, but you can just ignore that. You're not going to be looking at the screen when you're looking at your, listening to your podcast app. They're they're visual ads. They're not like, they don't inject audio ads into your podcast or anything. There's also things like you can take out massive gaps from the audio. So if someone's like, taking ages to think of something with a load of silence <laughs> it'll it'll cut out the silence wicked very very useful for this particular podcast this yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna have people thinking that their phones on the phone now. <laughs> but yeah and you can play it back at like two times speed as well i don't know how anyone could absorb that much information basically there is a website which came out recently. Uh, it is called Loudness Penalty. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm interested. So loudnesspenalty.com, basically, because YouTube, Spotify, Apple, whatever it is that you upload your music to, some of those will turn your music down if it is too loud. Sure. So with this website, all you need to do is drop a full mix into it and it will tell you whether you will be penalized for your oh, loudness. Oh, okay. Uh, so, it, because, you know, they turn things down and it'll tell you, it'll give you a sort of forecast of how much you are going to be turned down. Uh, turned down for what, James? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know what you do with that information because all you would really do is turn your mix down. So or, they you don't... Could, or you could make, sure, make, it, make it more dynamic. Okay, make it more dynamic. Do you reckon that would get past it? Yeah, yeah, sure. If your yeah, if your RMS is uh, lower, I guess it'll that's that's what will do it. So there is a, a nice little thing, uh, and again, that harks back to what we were talking about with browser-based stuff. It doesn't actually like upload anything. I think I think it basically does everything on your computer client side. Yeah, client side, baby. So no one's got yeah. access to your actual stuff. It's just processing it and and spitting out a few numbers for you. Would you like? To take a recent mix and stick it into loudnesspenalty.com. Let's select it. Let's select a file. Um, I, do you know what? I'm going to do this with a remix that I did for my mate's band recently. Okay. And I was I was wondering, like, because she was saying that it was like clipping on a laptop. Which oh, really? Shouldn't have. <laughs> shouldn't really have been the case. So let me. Um, so that's the kind of thing that would have get got turned right down. Yeah. Let me. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna upload this remix. Okay. It's an MP3 version. Not even uploaded. It's just gonna process it. Oh man, that is uh, that is gonna take. It's gonna some take. Time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's we talk about something else while yeah. this happens. Yeah, when the results come in, we will. Uh, come oh, it's back like Euro- it. it's like Eurovision. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your loudness penalty is null point, motherfucker. Okay, how about? Okay, here's here's just a quick idea. Eurovision song contest, but instead of songs, it's tearing Euro DMB, and the one with the highest RMS level wins. Well, every 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 so often, you do generally get one per 
per Eurovision that's some completely outlandish sort yeah. of thing. You were watching last time, weren't you? Certainly was, mate. Wouldn't miss it. Hell of a competition. Um, but yeah, I thought, it, to be honest, I thought it was a, a poor, poor effort this not, year. Not the highest caliber, but it wasn't that bad. You know, there were there were there were some interesting things to talk about, as there always are. Uh, again, the UK obviously did terribly. Yeah. Um, which is fair because we keep selecting like. We we do have one of the biggest music businesses in the world, and it's it's like what what was the figure? It's like as big as the financial services what? sector or something. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw this figure, and I think the UK music business um, makes more than the GDP of China. Oh, sweet! <laughs> <laughs> that is a made-up fact, by the way. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Susie, my my MCPS payment alone, mate, is just so enormous, man. That's like Guatemala, I uh, reckon, at least. But yeah, it'd be nice. Not that there's anything wrong with the people we're sending, uh, especially when someone jumps up on the stage and starts, uh, starts protesting about the... Uh, biased uk right-wing media do you know what fair play though man <laughs> i've like... got to say yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> to say, knowing knowing what he was doing to disrupt eurovision what basically had the best intentions yeah no t- mate i am like to be honest if hypothetical situation go on i learn to sing and i have the voice of an angel and i go on eurovision if someone's going to protest my performance if, if they were against the right-wing media, I'd be like, yes, mate, absolutely, here's bring it on. Hmm? Here's here's- the, yeah, here's the mic. Why don't you, you can do, you can rap over the middle eight or whatever and talk and talk about Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be fully for that. But yeah, I mean, it's a shame that she was interrupted. And I... I don't think that made any difference to the voting. To our be our coverage made it very clear that she'd been interrupted, even though I didn't see anything actually happen on the screen. Mm. But it, it was um, it, I I don't gather that anyone else in any other country was told that she was interrupted and that it was sort of covered up. But hey, that's a conspiracy theory for another time. The results are in. Then. They are in. So how much is your track getting turned down by different services? Okay, so YouTube. Okay, so these results are in decibels. Right. So YouTube, that's minus 3.2. Okay. Spotify, minus 4.7. <laughs> Tidal, oh. minus 5.3. Come on, Tidal. Pandora, minus 4.2. And iTunes, which is, and these, the iTunes penalties are rough estimates. A whopping minus 7 dB. Good Christ. So, yeah, so it looks like I'm mixing a little bit too loud At for these services. For the institutions that are YouTube, Spotify, Tidal, Pandora, and iTunes. Would you know what? I might go back on this mix and do a more dynamic version. Yeah. Because I want, yeah, I want it to sound nice when people listen to it. I don't know if that's crazy. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll dial back the fucking RMS a bit, I guess. So do you. Uh, well, first of all, you you found this useful then? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. What I'd like to do is put a bunch of mixes in there and see what's going on. The other thing is, I also you have to bear in mind. I do want a loud mix because this is ostensibly dance music, and you want it to be nice and loud. And what I'd like to do as well is put some other people's music in there, other people's masters, and see what sort of results they get as well. Because I feel like. If I'm in the the same ballpark range as them, that's where I want to be. Right. What I'd like to do is get a few uh, masters from old CDs 
throughout the years yeah and see what scores they get they would i think their results would be a lot higher in terms of minus so yeah i think they would require less messing about because stuff like especially like stuff when you know back in the day when people were pressing a lot of cds the mix downs were a lot quieter then nice to see maybe we should uh, check some out next time that's well we almost certainly won't but this is, <laughs> this is something you can do yourself as well loudnesspenalty.com loudnesspenalty.com tim we talk about a lot of crazy midi stuff on the program hell yeah and i'm not sorry about it either mate we we we've bemoaned the MIDI rings. Oh, God. That are out there. We talk about a lot of stuff. Recently, this has been announced. It is called the DM48, and it is uh, by a company called Lekholm Instruments, Swedish company. Big up. Mm-hmm. Um, can you guess what this is? I No, no, and I don't want to guess. Just tell just tell me what it is. You're gonna, it's going to blow your mind. Oh. It's literally going to blow your mind. Is it another MIDI ring? No, it's a MIDI harmonica. Oh, what? I uh, shit you not. LeckHomeInstruments.com. This DM48 is a 12-hole, 48-note digital chromatic harmonica. Expressive control over any electronic instrument. This is what the world has been waiting for. Because I tell you, James, when I compose a giant Reese noise, I'm like, how on earth am I going to sequence this? Blowing. That's what I want to do. I I love a nice blow. Yeah. I mean... Oh, okay. This is it. This is the the MIDI harmonica. Well, playing the the brass? Yeah. Saxophone. What instrument are they playing with it? Because it sounds great. Uh, not sure, but yeah, go go mental. It's cool. If I could play harmonica, I might be interested in this. See, I saw this and I was like, I am very nearly sold because, like, it's small. That's the thing. Okay. Like, you don't have to have a load of desk space reserved. It fits, it fits in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, you don't have to have a load of desk space reserved for the keyboard. You can just pick it up with your hand or two. And get to blowing. Is it wireless? Uh, no, that's the thing. It's connected. <laughs> the first thing that made me realize I might not want this. Yeah. It's connected via USB, but it seems like it's USB 2. I d- it's not like you need to send a lot of uh, information very quickly for MIDI, though. So mm. USB 2 seems like a sensible choice. I mean, it just it just feels like it should be USB 3. I just think everything should be USB 3. That's completely insane, James. Okay. There would be no reason to have this as USB 3. Fair enough. I can, I it would can just be- cost more. I can be happy for it to be USB 2 in that case. But the other thing that turned me off this thing is when I found out the price. Oh, how much is it? Is it 500 quid? See, you'd imagine for a MIDI harmonica, it wouldn't exactly be stratospheric, would it? 200 quid max. I mean, I want this thing to be good, but I don't want this thing to be the same price as an actual saxophone. Yeah. 750 euros. Oh, sorry, guys. That's a no from Timmy. I mean, I'm sure it's great. For a professional harmonica player, but how many of them are there out there? I'm sure the, with the money they make selling three of these, they're going to come back with an even more competitive product. So don't even worry about it, man. Yeah, it's um, it's a shame because I, I was I really was nearly sold on this. I was like, right, I'm going to learn how to play me some harmonica. I've had harmonicas in the past; they're pretty cool. I haven't necessarily like been able to just riff on them because mm. they're also 
ready with uh they, they're basically to scale and it's it's cool whatever you play is going to sound good um but yeah 750 man that that is more than i'm willing to pay to blow midi yeah mate and plus i've already got a mouth organ that i'm pretty proud of so <laughs> i don't i feel like that this is you know this is uh, not not necessary for, for most people. Certainly not myself. It's a shame, but I mean, it's kind of it's kind of where you'd input MIDI if you were in prison. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe maybe they'll come up with some kind of deal with US prisons or whatever, and you, we'll see some kind of blues renaissance. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice because you wouldn't have to listen to everyone's MIDI harmonica uh, around the cell block. You could just if they've got it plugged in, they could put headphones on and they could play their contact instrument through the MIDI harmonica and you don't have to hear it. Yeah, right. I mean, it almost sounds like prison's a kind of cool place. Do you know what I mean? That's what I've always thought, especially if you like keeping birds in your pocket. Oh, hell yeah, man. I am all for prison. Yeah, have you seen the Clint Eastwood Alcatraz movie, mates? (laughs) No. Oh, man. (laughs) Watch that. Wait, I haven't seen Jurassic Park. Do you think I've seen Clint Eastwood at Alt? Al- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mate, seriously, you need to spend less time looking at Music Tech News and more time streaming video, <laughs> mate. Um, but yeah, this is being nearly sold on this sort of broke down through a few thresholds. And it made me think, you know, I've I've been I've, I've been seriously looking at the eigenharps recently. Oh god. I mean, again, I don't know how to play a clarinet. <laughs> but it, it seems like a cool way to put MIDI into the box. That's how Squidward would put MIDI oh, yeah. into, into his door. So if it's good enough for Squidward, I think it's good enough for everyone. Yeah. Right? Are you are you completely consigned to uh, the keyboard MIDI paradigm? I barely or? use the keyboard, mate, to be honest. You, yeah, you've got your on-screen, your, your QWERTY MIDI input, haven't you? I do, man. I do. I use I use that a lot. It's not velocity sensitive, which is a bit of a bum. But I do have a... I've got a MIDI keyboard right there. I should just you, use a bit more, really. you an evangelist for the QWERTY MIDI? Yeah, man. Well, mate, as you know, I am mouse and keyboard for life, mate. So yeah. that's, that's the way I do things. Um, if you can't get it right with mouse and keyboard, what you should just give up making music. Yeah, I've said it. <laughs> I've said it. You're not a real musician unless you're using mouse and keyboard. That's, that if you're is... using real instruments, that's cheating. There's there's a lot of things people repeat when it comes to audio. You know, they don't polish a turd. Don't polish a turd. You can't. Well, you can't polish a turd. Also, more accurately. received wisdom and advice. You know, you've got. Oh, high pass everything. Whereas sometimes that can that can hurt things. That can be phase issues and things like that. Maybe that's reading too much into it. Maybe it's not. But the thing I've been questioning a lot recently is the idea of mono bass. Yeah. So I can imagine everyone pretty much keeps their bass mono below about 200, 150, something like that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. I know that's to maintain sort of uh, mono compatibility. Yes. But there are other things you can do. Is it really, really a massive priority to not have stereo bass? Or does that does that not just take something away from things? Um, the thing is, what you've got to think is, if you're like, because bass is such an important part of a lot of me. And you see, the reason why bass, James, is so important part, because as you know, it is, um, it's a tone's fundamental frequency that, uh, that gives us a big clue as to what its pitch is. Um, and also gives it a feeling of weight as well. Um, if you're losing that because your s- signal is being summed to mono, 
you are going to lose a lot of the impact of your music. So I think it is, I just, and like, and to sacrifice that for like having stereo bass or panned bass, that just does, that seems to be, yeah, for me, that seems like a crazy idea. I'm not necessarily talking about uh, having panned bass and just sticking it in one speaker or something, but I mean, isn't this something that we're telling people not to do just so they don't fuck things up? And if you know what you're doing, can you not just do it properly because you know? Is this something that we are telling people not to do because they're beginners, but then no one's ever doing it for the rest of their career? No, I think think sometimes people do do it. Um, The thing is, it's like, for the sacrifice you're making of having potentially not as strong a mono signal... Is it really worth having that stereo width in the low end? I don't think it is. I think I think people like to have a solid, tight mono low end, and I think I think having you know stereo width in the high end just sounds better. Basically, really. I suppose also when you get down there, all you have is sine waves, basically, um, because yeah, it's like well, how many how many how many partials can you fit? In, in the sub 200 hertz yeah. range. Not very many is the Mathematically, answer to that. what? If you go down to 25 hertz, then you can fit 50, 100, you know. Well, no, because if it's partials, it'll be 20, it'll be 25, 50, 70, 75, 100, 125. So you can get about seven in there at that yeah, well, point. Eight. Yeah, but yeah. All those would be mono. But um, I don't think I don't think those partials need to be stereo. Your um, waveform, in other words, the actual cycle is so big that if you dick around with it mm. and do anything to it in terms of stereo, you're going to be messing with the fundamental shape of it, which matters when your waveform is that big. Would you agree? Um, can you explain that again, please? Well, I- imagine looking at it, imagine zooming right in mm. to like a bass transient. Yeah. And it's it's huge. It's like a monolithic. Well, yeah, you're, yeah, you're basically saying, okay, I want it to be quieter on one side than the other. Yeah. And therefore, or... when it goes to mono, if it gets some to mono, then you're going to be messing around with that big, powerful wave. Yeah. Which used to be a sine wave, and you're going to make it fuzzier, and that's going to take the impact away. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, especially when you're making dance music, the rule is... You, you want the low frequencies to be very, very, like, sort of consistent volume level in the center, and then you can do the so-called interesting bits in the highs mm. because they're not they're not what you require to give it that solidity right. and weight. So I think, I think people would be making things difficult for themselves for little reason by not trying to get that solid low end. So I've, I've been doing some weird things recently. I've, yeah, mate, I bet you have. <laughs> I've been using key tracking uh uh-huh. modulation key tracking for say amplitude modulation and what? if you are doing key tracking modulation on bass you can basically let's say you've got a uh 40 hertz bass tone mm-hmm. you get a 20 hertz modulation and a 10 hertz modulation of that and unless i'm being very gullible and placebo-y it's sounding pretty beefy. And I don't think that's going to mess with the mono compatibility. That's Sorry, what? You're going to have to go back there. 
You've got a 40 hertz sig... Right. That's just an example. So, so you, a partial. Why have you got a subharmonic there at 20? You don't actually have a subharmonic, but it's because you've got a key tracking LFO. Oh. Your LFO may be, say, um, modulating the amplitude. And so you create a signal, which is 20, or a signal, which is 10, which is actually amplitude modulation, so you can't actually So you're, do, you're actually performing AM. Yeah, but when you actually put that together with the whole bass tone, you might not hear the amplitude modulation, so to speak. But because it's at a harmonic, because it's key tracked, it can get quite a deep effect into it. Now, that's got nothing to do with monoizing or stereoizing, mm. but it's it's a cool little thing. It's It gets a bit out of control, though. But th- importantly, when you change the note, that amplitude modulation frequency will change as well. Mm. And even though you won't necessarily hear it as amplitude modulation, it will be a very thick, nice subharmonic. Maybe I'm just dreaming about going below the audible range and it's not actually nah, Yeah, man. I, th- I think getting lo- lo- sub-frequencies right is hard enough at the best of times, especially considering, you know, people won't have ideal rooms. Headphones aren't always, ide- you know, like even I-, I use Sennheiser HD 650s, you know, they've got real clear top ends, but there's not a lot of weight in the lows and everything. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think that, that that region is so hard to get right. I think anything that you can do to make life easier rather than more difficult in that area is probably the way to go. At least that's my philosophy. Fair enough. Oh, Tim. Mm. Question for you. You don't have to answer now. It could be an ongoing thing. Okay. Which is the best plug-in bundle? Great question. Oh, ho, ho. I would say... Fab filter is my go-to because uh, great interfaces, great sounds, you, totally, you know, really feature-packed, but not a load, but not a load of nonsense you'll never use. Yeah, mm. I'd say, I'd say Fab filter in in terms of mixing stuff, in terms of creative stuff, got to be sound toys, baby. Yeah, yeah, you love love sound, sound toys. toys. I love the effect track. I am not a big preset meister, especially not when it comes to effects. But the presets in the effect track are really, really good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I yeah, it's worth it's worthwhile investigating that. I haven't really haven't. ventured into the effects rack. Um, I know it's there and I know what it does, but I just I'm still in that mindset of use one plugin, maybe use another plugin, uh, and not just rack them up. But yeah, it's something I haven't really. It, it never appealed massively to me. I like that it's there and it's clever. Thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but. The you know the presets are really good. I mean, because the thing is, in live, you don't really need to use some like some proprietary rack thing or whatever. You can just do everything in live and more in a more sophisticated fashion because you can use groups and do kind of cool parallel processing stuff and everything. Mm. But it is just it's just having a lot of really good, well designed stuff and everything with a load of really cool effects. So you can instantly say, okay, I wonder what would th- this would sound like with some crazy modulation on it, and just it. So it makes auditioning, you know, it makes auditioning that sort of stuff real quick and easy. Okay, well, there there are plenty of candidates for the best plugin bundle. What's your take um, on it? I I think I'm going to have to agree with Fab Filter. I do also use Sound Toys, like I say, single plugins. I don't like, I don't love the idea. I don't love the philosophy of sound toys because a lot of it is very abstract. You don't necessarily get a view of the waveform. It, it's it feels like using analog hardware, and a lot of people like that. I don't. But having said that, 
for someone who thinks that, I use them an awful lot. Uh, Tremolator, for some reason, I just I just reach for quite a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's also a lot of stuff in there that I just haven't really used, uh, but should. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely Fab Filter Man. Uh, I suppose if you've got loads of cash, then you could go complete. You could go waves. Mm. And you can't not complete, really. Complete is... Uh, comprehensive oh yeah it's good the only trouble with complete is there's so much stuff in there like it really feels like it should install in its own bespoke folder yeah. where, and it says you know this is uh you you can manage everything you can say install this don't install this and stuff like that but the thing is it's just there's so much in there i want to be like like i lev- i never use that manly eq thing and i know it's in there and i probably should yeah. but it's just you know so many plugins it's just like yeah which we can use that to segue into a little bit of chat about favourites in live. What do you reckon? Oh, God, yeah. Favourites in live. So, yeah, I've started using this now. Yeah. Um, so, I also started using it quite recently, but mm-hmm. forgot about it. So, yeah, live's favourites are brilliant because it's not so much favourites list. It's a colours list. I like, Who doesn't like colours? Yeah. Instead of just putting everything in a list of favourites, you put things in a list of colours. There are seven colours. Yes, there are seven colours in the world. Or That's you, all. You can rename them and you could use green for, say, compressors or blue for, say, EQs. Uh, but yeah, just right-click anything in the browser, give it a colour label, and mm. then your colour label is there uh, on the top level of the browser. You can just click it and uh, sort everything. I'm really excited about this because I have too many plugins installed and I really do have my favourites that I use. And a lot of like weird stuff in there that I tend to forget about. So this mm. is this is going to be good for Timmy. So what uh, different favourites lists are you going to use? I, at the moment, I've just got one, which is stuff that I look, that I use all the time, basically. Okay. What's in there? Uh, I do you know I've only just started doing it, so so the, far what's in there at the moment is some fabful stuff, some soundless stuff, some native instrument stuff, some Roland Cloud stuff, some Korg stuff, um, and a few Voxengo bits, specifically old school verb and span, and also this RX nine fifty, which is I think we mentioned that it's oh, the, yeah. the, that uh, Akai Akai um, digital to analog and other stuff emulation which i and i use quite a lot now actually so uh, yeah i would decimal in there as well uh, you know, yeah. like my lo-fi do you think you'll be going as far as using some of the other colors for specific uh, groups of things yes uh, i feel like i am i'm kind of slack when it comes to character compressors and i need to kind of like start labeling that shit better so that i you know i have a choice choice of stuff i can go through quickly when it comes to that sort of stuff um the other thing I was going to say was I've installed version two of Slate Virtual Mix Rack as well. Ah. Um, and the first time I installed, and the first time I loaded it up after installing, it goes to a thing where it like shows you the images of all the different plugins and it takes ages to do it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool or whatever. But then it did it the second time as really? well. And I was like, mate, I'm not sitting through this every time. Let me, and I don't think it did the last time. I'm just going to load it up now and uh, see if it does the same thing again. Because it's going to be irritating. Because it never did that before. So let's let's see what happens. When, oh no, it just oh no, it's doing it's it doing again. It. So it's loading. It's got progress circle fifty percent, sixty. I'm sure it didn't 70. take this long to upload before, like to, to initialize before. But yeah, that's and also unusual. I had to manually go through and delete all their freaking dream racks or whatever it okay. was. That was annoying. That was annoying. You decided to take those out. Yeah, well, it did, there didn't seem to be a way to like quickly just say, okay, I want to, I just want a blank slate well, yeah. to start with. Every like time. I said last time, you just. You make your own dream rack and have that as the one on the left. 
Yeah, yeah. So I've done that now, and it's just like literally. But you should, you should be able to just say, okay, forget all your shit. I, I want it my way. <laughs> I see you've you've changed the browser to text only. Yeah, man, because it's good because it shows you all the ones that aren't available to you, the ones that are available to you, and I want to experiment more with the ones that are available to me, which is not very many because I haven't bought any extra ones. So, like we were saying last time, it's a very, it's quite a minor change, but it, it seems to help. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's going to get more out of the plugin. I think. So, for the favorites lists, what do you think you're going to go for? Do you think you're going to get all your compressors together, all your EQs together, or do you think you're going to say like? get underused plugins, synths, things you want to use, things you should never use. Well, the trouble is, because for something like Virtual Mix Rack, you can't, you can only favourite the plugin rather than individual things in there. Mm. Also, you've got to look at stuff like Contact, Guitar Rig, where it's going to be something. So it's kind of a bit messy when it comes to that stuff. I mean, yeah, I probably will do Compressors, EQ, Reverb, because I always forget what reverbs I have and I'm never happy um, synths maybe that sort of thing mm. and then probably stuff like sort of lo-fi effects smoothing sort of stuff and everything those those sort of things stuff that you know either kind of like enhances or attenuates like harmonics that sort of those those right. sort of things i think probably what about you um i have used them so far just to gather the things that i'm gonna need for specific projects oh but, that's clever yeah i would like to make one master favorites list and basically never look in plugins again i also like the fact that you can basically <laughs> put anything in the browser into there well it's good because i've got the pitch the pitch midi effect in there yeah with all my third-party vst stuff so that's that's kind of cool it's good and you could you could put whole racks in there you could just you could grab mm. everything uh, but yeah, I might start with just the favorites um, in a way that's sort of, um, I guess that's the way to go through your plugins list and realize what you, you like and what you don't like and take some out and leave some in. Mm. And you can also do it with individual samples as well. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I only use three sounds in every song I make. I know where they are. So <laughs> might as well favorite those bad boys up yeah. and, you know. Might as well tag them with grey. Yeah, exactly like grey, like the music I make. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, whole, it's a whole brave new world of uh, colour coordination and uh, workflow. Yeah, I mean, I want to get my workflow so tight that I just don't have to think anymore or, you know, concentrate while I'm making music. That would, that would be ideal deal for me what is it time for now is it time for initialize this it is the boxes have been unpacked the people have left the auditorium and the clams are safely tucked under the waves <laughs> go look after those clams fam yeah man This time we are going to play with something from the Rolling Cloud and you have chosen Juno 106, do not. Yes, um, I haven't really messed around with the synths uh, in uh, Roland Cloud. I'm more into the sample synthesis stuff and the Rompler stuff. But I have a Juno 106 that is broke right now. It has two effed voice chips and the uh, VCA level fader has come off. Okay. So it would be nice if I didn't have to spend a load of money uh, getting it repaired. So you're hoping those those features can be well served to you in the virtual world? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, faders can't break in the virtual world, mate. I don't know about that. Uh, well, okay, well, should I have a play with this? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Check it out. So this is the um, 
initialized patch, there doesn't seem to be a way to actually initialize it. So you've got to kind of turn the effects off and stuff yourself. And that's, you know, that's pretty... That's as close to initialized as anyone realistically needs. So how the 106 works is you've, you've got like a DCO section where it's really got like one oscillator that outputs uh, a, a sawtooth, uh, a pulse width, and a sub. So let's just have a listen to those, shall we? Let's have a listen to pulse width. And you can control the pulse width modulation either with this fader or, and I should say via modulation as well, by default set to the LFO. Oh, hang on, oh no, that's the pitch, that's the pitch. Okay, so it's, that's all, okay. Let me just have to turn up the LFO rate to hear that. Pretty nice pulse width modulation. Yeah, you can get some really gnarly tones. You can set it up to the envelope. So you've got options for envelope plus and envelope minus. I'm gonna set it onto envelope one. And the, what we can do as well is we can set the VCA to a gate, so we can use, so we could then have like the the envelope set. Oh, actually, so that's doing the filter, so I'll set it to two. Oh, it's making it thin. Come on, let's have a bit more of that. Um. Oh, that's kind of nice. Well, that's a bit weird. Oh, cause, okay, because it's gate, and then that's the... Okay. Bear with me, James. I know what I'm doing. I'm holding on. Okay. And then we can use envelope... Uh, so envelope two is our pulse width. Oh. Okay, let's set it to minus, actually. Hang on. It seems to be doing something funny, because it's... In so when I've set the VCA to gate modes, I'm having trouble getting envelope two to do anything to the PWM. Ooh. Okay. James, this is confusing me. What have you got yourself into? So I'm set, I've assigned the envelope two to the pulse width modulation. I've got the pulse width modulation set to the middle and it doesn't seem to be modulating it. I don't know whether this is an error with the synth or I'm doing something wrong, but that's kind of frustrating me. It's not doing it, it's such a I'm not, fast no. rate or something. Because it's definitely, it's definitely working with the LFO. Oh, listen to that, that's great. You, you can clearly hear it with envelope one. Hmm. I'm going to turn the... Well, it doesn't seem to like, enve like envelope two on there for some reason, but whatever. I'll, gi I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and assume that I'm doing something wrong. Well, I don't think I am. Um, so anyway, so then we got Sawtooth. It's a Sawtooth. That's it. You can't really do anything to it. 
Then we've got a sub, which is beefy. Beefy, beefy. Cool. I like that. That's good. And then there's noise. And noise is good for showing off the self-oscillating filter. Ooh. It was a dark and stormy night, James. <laughs> I'm going to use envelope two to control uh, the envelope on there. Oh, it makes nice tuned, sort of tuned percussion stuff. And that's all very nice. Um, let's go back to... Ooh. Ooh, that sounds cool. Oh yeah. Um, also, there's, you've got poly one and two modes. I can't remember what the difference is. It's nothing major. I think it's to do with portmanteau or something like that. And you, there's also a unison mode, which is kind of hard to access. Or, well, not hard to access, but if you didn't know how to access it, you basically had to press both poly buttons in. You get unison. Right. And that's nice. Yeah, this is cool. And there is a condition knob, which simulates a realness. So if you turn it, turn it down, it sounds pristine. If you turn it up, it sounds fucked like my actual Gino 106 does. Bring so that's, in the analog. So that's good. And there's your roll and choruses, which are good. And some other effects. You can change. You can actually. Okay, so you can change the pitch of the DCO, or the DCO pulse, but nothing else. I think. Oh no! No, no, that controls everything. Let's see if it affects the sub. Yeah, it affects everything. So you can't really. You're not. You're not given free reign to like transpose the oscillators how you'd like. But you know, it's a pretty simple synth. Mm. Should I have a look at some presets? Let's scroll through. Very nice. We've got an extra bank here. Of, I sound thought like I guess will be more designed in a contemporary world. Yeah, nice and fat. Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much it for the Gino 106. James, do you have any thoughts to share with us on that? Well, I've got some questions. Is it is it going to tempt you away from repairing your own hardware? I've got to spend a lot of money to repair my own hardware. Money that I can't afford right now. So if I want Gino 106 sounds, I think I'm going to be using this, I reckon. Is it what you'd call accurate? based uh, based on your previous experience? Um, it's been such a long time since I used the last one. I mean, it sounds broadly the same. I'd have to do an A-B test. I imagine in an A-B test, the difference would probably be fairly obvious. But in terms of putting it in a mix, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be confident to pick it out. So good enough, I reckon. Brilliant. That is the Roland Cloud Juno 106. Boom. Tim, that was amazing. I am completely and utterly zonked. I'm I'm pooped, mate. Oh man! And not for the first time. So uh, yeah, let's let's decide to not put so much effort into anything else ever again. How about that? Yeah, I think we should reconvene for our next episode. Bye.
When's that going to be? Two weeks' time? Two weeks' time. Can you imagine what amazing things will happen in the world of music technology between now and then? Well, considering what happened in the last two weeks, I think there's going to be a shitload of stuff. Cubase 14? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, 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 a MIDI trumpet? Logic Pro Z? Oh man, I can't wait for Z. It's oh. all coming out. Oh, we can, we can but dream. I will see you next time. Yeah, take it easy, fella. Bye. Bye.